my podcast. My name is Jamin Gerker. I'm a realtor in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help people build intentional and significant legacies for themselves and their families by coaching them in real estate. The purpose of this podcast is to answer the questions that you have as you're moving up here and also to show you more in depth what it's like living up here from the people who are currently living here or the people who have recently moved up here. And today I'm very excited. We have a special guest. He's an economist and a researcher and analyst with the um, um, research and analyst with the Department of Labor. And um, he really does know, obviously, the Alaska economy inside and out. And I know if you're looking at moving up here, this is going to be um, an episode you definitely do not want to miss. So please help me welcome Rob Krieger. Thank you for having me, Jim. Hey, thank you for thank you for joining us. My so. Pleasure. So let's let's go and just jump into it then. Um, the latest edition for the Alaska Economic Trends magazine that came out. Um, the big thing that came out was talking about uh, talking about the the rents going up really across the board and and um, yeah really across the board in all of Alaska. I'm looking at the the uh, the front page of the article here that's by. Uh, Gunnar Schultz, and it does say just across the board, we are seeing about an 8.2 increase for rents across the board, which means on average in Alaska, the average rent price, or yeah, the average rent is going to be approximately 1276 And in Anchorage, it's gone up even more, about 14.2%. And the average in Anchorage, where most of the population lives, is 1339 So, you know, I guess really the, the first question is, you know, how how have the rents gone up so drastically over them over such a short amount of time? So, um, you know, what- yeah, it's a, it's a good question. And, um, you know, it is certainly, you know, it, this year's survey was interesting because it kind of confirmed a lot of what we've been hearing on the ground. Um, that is, you know, rents are going way up and it's getting really hard to find an apartment. Um, this year we saw, as mentioned, uh, an 8% increase. When you look at all the areas we survey combined, and I should point out, we don't have a, a statewide number for rental costs. We survey a select number of communities, but when you look at all those communities combined, yes, it was about an 8% increase, and that was driven largely by what's happening in Anchorage, which had a 14.5% increase. Um, there's probably no single reason to what's driving those increases, but a lot of it has to do with tight vacancies and what's happening with um, vacancy rates. Obviously, when you have tighter vacancy rates, landlords have more pricing power and you tend to see um, prices coming up in rentals. Yep, absolutely. So uh, for people who um, haven't read the article yet, um, could you kind of talk about why it is we're seeing seeing lower vacancies because yeah I, I don't think most renters really appreciate you know where you know the impact that that has on the the rental mm-hmm. prices and secondly what's creating the you know that uh, that lower vacancy rate in this scenario right and you know again likely a combination of factors um and i think you know when you talk about vacancy rates there's always this constant sort of like churn that happens in in the rental market where you have vacant units coming available and then people leaving people vacating units for various reasons and then other people moving in 
Um, but I think what we're seeing now is a number of factors kind of throttling back on that normal kind of churn in the market, um, driven by a number of factors. Um, one likely that we think, and we don't know for sure what's really, I couldn't say for sure whether one of these is more important than the other. It's you know, they're probably all at work here. But, you know, in addition to the tight rental market, um, home buying market in Alaska in some of the larger markets has been extremely tight as well, where you have prices kind of hitting record levels. You have very low inventory. As a realtor, I'm sure you can speak to um, very low days on market. When things come up, they go off, they get sold. Um, a lot of times getting sold even before they've been on the market. So it's, it's, it's a very hot real estate market in general. And I think that um, as prices continue to rise, as interest rates continue to rise, a good portion of that population of renters that kind of aspires to be home buyers and move into that, that kind of next level of home ownership, I think they're being priced out and I think they're being kept as, as renters longer than they normally would be. So that component of the rental market, that I guess that, that component of vacancies that is caused by people moving to home ownership, I think is probably being slowed down a bit by the tight housing market. Um, yeah, and I, we, yeah, and I mean, ahead, I can, sorry. yeah, I mean, I, I can definitely see how that, how that theory could definitely play out. Um, really, the the amount of inventory we have on the market in Anchorage is about a third, or maybe even a quarter, for some months for what we had in inventory a, a couple of years ago, or you know, mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. And in the Matsu Valley, we're starting to see inventory start to creep up, where we've actually got more inventory than we did the year before, but. It's kind of the same story, and the only reason we're seeing more inventory out there is the new construction that's going on. So, mm -hmm. you know, in some ways, that's that's kind of, I'm not going to say artificially, but it's kind of throwing the average sold price in the Matsu off because, you know, the average sold price has um, the rate of increase was about 15%. This year to date, it's about 11%. And, I mean, that's still blistering fast, but how much is that just inflated because of new construction and that being more expensive and how much of it is just it's a competitive market which that's still going to be a part of it but you know it's hard to know till you know years down the line till we can actually parse out the data mm -hmm. yeah demand is still yeah it, it's remarkably high even with you know rates still creeping up and it's interesting you mentioned that there's more construction in matsu that that kind of goes against the trend in, in a lot of other places in alaska where the, there's been a you know, decline in a number of new, um, well, we do a survey too, where we capture the number of new housing, new activity for new units across the state. And uh, yeah, Matsu is definitely a, a little bit of a, of a bright spot. It's, it's, it's growing and there's um, obviously construction happening there. Yeah. I mean, I've actually seen the most of it going on is, you know, not too surprisingly, but it's kind of going on around the, the Palmer fish hook uh, Wasilla mm -hmm. Fishhook area over there. Like I looked at the numbers just a little bit ago and across the board in the Matsu, new construction is staying pretty normal. It's that construction over there though that's really increasing the the rate at which things are being built. But mm -hmm. um but yeah, I'm sorry, I kind of kind of just jumped in there. But what are some other variables you're seeing that is kind of contributing to the increase of rents? Sure. Like, so I think another thing that we kind of suspect is that, you know, during the pandemic, and this kind of goes, this kind of is true for any time you have an economic downturn, you see a sort of aggregation of households. Um, so people moving in together during tough economic times, whether it's the result of a job loss or some other economic hardship, 
um, people kind of moving in together. And now that things are kind of trying to get back to normal, you see those kind of households starting to unwind. People want to go out and get their own place. If they're teleworking, they definitely want to try to get a quiet place to work. Maybe they've been cooped up with their family for too long. So I think there's 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 more households being created now than there have been. And I think it's a result of people just wanting to get out and get their own place again. Um, let's see, I think um, the other kind of big thing that's happening, and it's hard to really know for sure to what extent this is driving things, but you know, we, we talk about the population in Alaska and the two distinct kind of like peaks that we're seeing right now, you have this big group of baby boomers, and then you have this kind of in between you have the generation X and then you have this really large group of millennials. Um, even though we're not gaining millennials, the group that we have are aging in place and that, that component of the population is getting bigger and they're in kind of peak rental home buying age right now. So that kind of that demographic shift in the population, that, that aging of the millennial to where they're in a state of home buying and rental, I think is just contributing even more to um, tight vacancy rates and um, and driving the housing market uh, frenzy as well. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I heard somewhere the average age of somebody buying a home was actually 32. So I mean that puts them right, you know, right in that millennial age group. Yeah, I think millennials tend to to buy houses at a later age too. So I I don't know how that compares to like maybe 10 years ago. Maybe people were buying in like their late 20s, but I think. I think I, I read that somewhere, and a lot of it has to do with just financial security and um, savings and student debt loads, things like that. It's just a little different for millennials to look maybe a little harder, but it's a different different approach, I think, than in previous generations. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely kind of the consumer trend that I've seen there. Uh, mm -hmm. One other thing that was kind of cited in the, the article as well is talking about kind of the um, – the emergence of the short-term rental market in Alaska. Right. So, you know, Airbnbs, mm -hmm. VRBOs, um, it's kind of hard to get reliable data on that because, yes. I mean, it's all going to be, you know, gathered internally for, you know, Airbnb and these other big corporations. So it's not really publicly available information sometimes unless you want to go pay for like AirDNA yep. or, something, or something like that. Yep. But um yeah, and that's you mentioned AirDNA. DNA. We we searched high and low because you know we, we felt compelled to mention this in the article because not doing so we would seem kind of oblivious because it is out there, and a lot of people are talking about it. And generally, when we cite data in an article, we we, we vet it and make sure that it's a, not you know an objective source that doesn't lean one way or the other. There's just nothing out there on on the impact or the actual quantity of short-term rentals out there. The closest thing we found that would be useful was that AirDNA data. And what that showed us, we, that didn't tell us anything about the number of units or the impact. All it showed was the rent, the um, the listings for Airbnb and Verbo in the second quarter of 2022, and then kind of subsequent quarters from previous years. Um, the data clearly show that there's been a significant increase in the number of listings um, from 2019 since before the pandemic. Um, but what that tells us in terms of the impact, how it's displacing or not displacing longer term rentals is, is something we really can't say. Um, the most important data we did kind of pick out from the AirDNA stuff was that when you look at the, the, the number of listings 
by survey area. We were able to actually take the air DNA data and tie it directly to a survey area. When you look at the numbers of listings, Anchorage has the most, but Kenai has a very close second. And when you look at the, the number of listings compared to the total number of housing units in these places, you know, Anchorage has over 110,000 housing units. Kenai has about 30,000. So in terms of the percentage, I think it's probably the most important thing that I take away from this is that the Kenai Peninsula Borough is probably the, the kind of the hotbed right now, I think, of, of the um, Airbnb Verbo market, which kind of makes sense when you think about it, because if you are a tourist and you want a real lasting experience, easy to get to Anchorage to get a car and then travel to the Peninsula, and there's so much to see down there. So like that, I think, is probably appealing to a lot of kind of do-it-yourself sort of travelers. Um, so when I saw that, it made a lot of sense, but it's interesting to actually see the, the numbers at work. Yeah, no, that's that's huge for the Kenai Peninsula, and I'm glad that you guys highlighted that because, I mean, I've done research for Airbnbs down on the Kenai Peninsula, and um, the thing is, most of the homeowners down there, the houses that they own are actually secondary homes. So, right. you know, it makes a lot of sense that they would just convert it over to Airbnb and um, use it for that. I don't know how many of them are going to stick with it because yeah. I... I kind of see the market getting oversaturated right now just because everyone, everyone's hearing the ads about, you know, oh, easy money, easy money. You know, you can just mm -hmm. put some stuff out there and make like, a, you know, kind of a, a really easy blase kind of, um, you know, ad out there for Airbnb and it, you'll just get mailbox money. But I think a lot of them <laughs> are going to find out it's actually a lot more work than it's made out to be. Higher return and a lot more work. <laughs> I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that the next thing on the horizon, as it does get more attention, you know, certain communities are going to start, you know, kind of looking at the potential tax revenue from these things. And I think that, um, you know, Sitka is starting to take some action, you know, especially in Southeast Alaska, where you have so many, you know, such high tourism population or hot, large numbers of tourists. Um, yeah, Sitka is looking at kind of making, kind of implementing some regulations to kind of get their arms around it. Um, and I, I just heard today that Gino's commissioning a survey to kind of quantify the presence in the market. So I think, yeah, regulation is going to be a theme that's that's going to be out there. I don't know, you know, in Kenai, you know, because you have such diversity there and you know, different communities within Kenai, um, tough to say what what's actually being discussed out there. Yeah, I mean, I can kind of speak because I was actually looking at as an investment, finding and uh, purchasing an Airbnb property and um, I'll oh, shoot, I'll just name names over in Seward and <laughs> yeah. uh, like absolutely like beautiful area and all that. But the issue they're running into is they have not really had a very growth friendly plan, like really in decades. And so their their housing market is like really small and condensed. And then you have 200 of those houses suddenly taken out of the market being used as airbnbs and uh -huh. i mean it starts getting you start getting into local politics because most of the you know there's a, a very strong presence on the the city council of um, people who are hotel owners from everything that i've been told so you know you yeah. start getting into local politics but you can definitely see how having a smaller market like that and then suddenly 200 of those houses are taken out it, it suddenly becomes an issue if you're trying to find somewhere to rent. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 
So we'll we'll see we'll see how that continues to develop. And I'm actually very interested in you know hearing you know and kind of seeing what y'all you know find with your uh, find with your research because. I think we are going to see more regulation in Airbnbs moving forward because, you know, let's face it, it's kind of been the Wild West <laughs> for a little bit here as we figure it out. But eventually the the rules are going to catch up. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're we're excited to see what comes from, from, from this study that Juno's getting out there. And then, yeah, I, I expect to see a lot more data coming out nationally and, um, you know, by community going forward. Yeah. Is there any way... Like, is there anyone I can, I can talk to about that? Cause I'm actually like personally interested in what they find, um, but we'll, we'll, we'll circle you know, up later. How about that? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I mean, no name specific, you know, organizations. I mean, if you're, if you're looking for a specific area, um, you know, anybody at JEBC or, or the city, but um, yeah, tough to say. Got it. Okay. Sounds good. Well, yep. Next question I have then, if we're, because, I mean, one thing that was brought up is we are seeing a decline in new construction for multifamily mm -hmm. starting back in 2014. So um, can you talk about maybe some some theories as to why we've seen kind of a, a decline in, in that new construction? You know, multifamilies have definitely kind of been, you know, they, they definitely peaked, I think, in the late 2000s. And then they came off pretty high level and then they bounced back a little bit in that 2014 time frame and they've been declining ever since um i'm not sure what's driving you know that, that long-term trend it's hard to say but i think um you know lately construction has been constrained by you know supply chain issues labor shortages um you know any number of things that are kind of affecting the rest of the country are happening here as well i think even if you wanted to build you have a hard time finding the labor to do so but yeah the long-term trend is interesting i'm not i don't have a very good sense of what's driving that longer term yeah i don't know because i mean the thing is most of the building be, is going to be anchorage just because that is the largest market right. here so it's going to have the largest impact um, mm -hmm. anchorage again we're kind of getting into some local politics here but it's not really as builder friendly as say the Matsu Valley. So yeah, for my folks that are looking for newer, you know, newer new construction property where, you know, it's a fourplex and it's, you know, built within the last 10 years, usually we end up having to look over in the Matsu Valley where uh, rents aren't going to be as high, but also there's way less deferred maintenance. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I would say definitely supply issues for the past couple of years and then probably also some policies um, yeah, have, have probably big, been a big influence too, because mm -hmm. I mean every new little piece of legislation that's that's put on the builder is making their already slim margin even slimmer. So um, I can totally see that. Yeah, I, I don't have the data in front of me, but you know, just anecdotally, I know talking with a lot of builders, they sound like they're um, like Anchorage is just kind of a, a secondary place they'll work in if the situation arises, but really the Matsu is kind of where it's at for them right now. Yeah. So what does inflation do to, to rents? Uh, what's kind of the, the theory behind it? What do we expect to see with, with inflation as far as the rental rates go? It's tough to say, I mean, what's driving what um, with, what we what, 
and and for we were just talking about this at our monthly meeting like the inflation data for urban alaska has been a little bit weird lately um and so i, I wouldn't want to dive too much into inflation but obviously things get more expensive not just for the tenant but you know those costs show up in landlords especially because you have you have increases in the cost of energy um depending on what energy types you have you have increases in if you're a mega complex you have increases in labor costs you know you're going to have a staff of people all those things have to get Kind of rolled into um, your cost of doing business. You have, you know, when you have to do things like make repairs or do maintenance, the cost of supplies is now very high and very hard to get. So I think all those factors kind of play into um, what's driving rents high and, and impacting the rental market. On top of that, too, you have, you know, with with gains in in the values of property, I think you know property taxes too are another cost that are going to kind of have to be passed on to, to, to renters in, again, in some of these larger complexes, especially. Um, and those bigger complexes, obviously, they have a different, different cost structure than, you know, mom and pop, you know, mother-in-law apartment. So it's, it's like, it's easy to see how all those things can, 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 can play a, a role in um, you know, what has to be charged for rent, what costs get passed off to tenants. I don't know if that answers your question, kind of rambling there. No, actually, that's um, definitely did bring up a lot of great stuff there because I I know in the article, um, you guys did, you guys did mention, you know, in Alaska, you know, we're not seeing a whole lot of costs just yet with inflation, just because, you know, that the data is still so new. But I can definitely say on the landlord side, I mean, you don't want to increase rates, but also, you know, you do see property taxes going up and you see more importantly, as you guys noted, most of the heating for properties in this state is going to be borne by the landlord, which, you know, it's Alaska. Yep. That's, that's not going to be a, a small bill. <laughs> right. And I think it, it, it's interesting, you know, my instinct or like, I think instincts, a lot of people when they see some of these increases that we saw this year, um, well, that's got to be the cost of oil because of the Ukraine situation. But our survey was actually conducted the first week of March, which was kind of before we hit that real big spike in the cost of oil, in the price of oil, rather. Um, so the energy side of things wasn't really at play when we did the survey this year. I think if you were to do it you know, in May or June of this year, you would have seen landlords having to really, in places especially that rely on oil heavily as a primary heating source for heat and hot water, um, probably making some pretty rapid adjustments if they included heat with their, or if they included those utilities with the rent. You know, that's, that's a really good point because I mean, just the time of year you guys were looking at it. Um, I mean, March is historically not a month. We're as heavy on the oil right. and uh, energy costs. Now we're looking December, January. Yeah. That's going to get expensive. I know uh, my most expensive bill has been like six thirty four, if I recall correctly for my fourplex. Um, wow. In Eagle River, but I mean, you know, it's monstrous six thousand foot square foot building. So what do you expect? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's when you're dealing with numbers that with, with square footage that size. You know, yeah, it's it's, it's going to be a no brainer. But <laughs> so I guess looking a little bit closer at infl- inflation, then um, from more of like a, a macro level here, how is inflation expected to impact Alaska? That's tough when you talk about expected. Um, well, let's let's you know, say let's say theorize then. 
theorize. I here again, I'm not really sure. I don't want to wade too too deep into this because I could get myself into trouble. But I think you know, inflation expectations. I think you know today's a good time to kind of watch what's happening with the um, today that the Federal Open Market Committee is meeting on their two-day policy meeting. Um, what results from that is going to give you probably a better indication of what's going to happen with inflation nationally. The data that they're looking at, the degree to which it's going to continue, and what they have to do to get it under control. Um, everything that I've seen in recently in financial press suggests we're in for more rate increases, um, potentially in the three-quarters of a point range. Um, that could continue. No one knows for sure how long it's going to continue. No one should even try to guess. But like as of right now, I think the expectation is that inflation is going to continue for a while, um, and it's going to take some more um, heavy work by the Fed to get it under control. Um, and you know, in Alaska and nationally, I think um, you know it's hard to say where the divergence happens. Um, whether things get more expensive in Alaska or lower 48, I couldn't say for sure. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I I was trying to track that myself when I was trying to do kind of my own smaller bootleg uh, research <laughs> analysis here and just trying to see if there really was any any data I could gather so far. One source I mm -hmm. found was actually pretty useful. I think it's um, Our Alaska Life, if I recall correctly. It's a YouTube channel with Lauren Hamm. I've interviewed her before. But uh -huh. a big part of her channel is she actually goes out in the grocery stores and, you know, takes pictures of like all the, the stuff on the grocery shelves because that's something people really want to know when they're moving. And so sure. you've got this record of just months and months and actually years going back showing the prices for specific things if you have the time to kind of wade through all the videos. So, yep. so that's, that's yeah, been a good source. For sure. Yeah. I think when you talk about inflation, that's probably the, the best way to kind of convey the data to people. Because, you know, you talk about the, the CPI and the cost of living in, or, you know, other various measures of inflation, but it really drives it home when you're actually looking at the cost of things people buy every day. Yep. Exactly. It's like milk is, you know, 350. <laughs> Suddenly that starts to hit a little bit differently. <laughs> Absolutely. So for people who are looking at moving up here to Alaska. I mean, I'm, I'm a very numbers analyst kind of driven person myself. I can kind of get lost in the data, but just in yep. layman's terms, what advice would you give someone who is looking at moving to Alaska and looking at finding a rental? I, I would say it's, it's the condition depending. And the thing about Alaska is that it's very, every market is unique. Um, you know, your experience trying to find a rental in Anchorage will be very different than trying to find a rental in Dillingham. Um, Anchorage is tight, but Dillingham rentals are non-existent. So I think it probably depends on where you're looking at going, what your expectations are. No matter what, you can expect to pay fairly high rent, and you're going to have to bake in quite a bit of time to try to find a long-term rental because I think it's, um, you know, regardless of where you go, vacancies are, are tightening. Even in a place like Fairbanks, where we've had historically high vacancy rates due to their transient population, you know, the, the military movements in recent years have, have sent Fairbanks vacancy rate down to about half of where it normally would be. Um, so even in places where you probably have an easy time finding a place, it's getting harder even there. So um, yeah, to sum that up, I would guess depend depends on where you go. Every place is going to be different and it could be extremely hard 
in more rural areas. But you just have to be prepared to to keep your eye out and, and um, be patient, I guess, as you look. Yeah, and I think that's really good advice. I mean, I've you know worked with a number of people where they've gone to kind of the smaller communities. And I mean, I'm kind of talking about Seward and Homer. And I mean, it just takes a lot of patience and a lot of get up and go when you see, you know, the property that pops up that actually makes sense for you. So, for right, sure. I, and, it, and it's, you know, it's a, in terms of like getting people to Alaska, you know, we have had nine consecutive years of negative net migration. And it's, it has, you know, there are people leaving, but in recent years, it has more to do with fewer people moving to Alaska. And I don't see that, you know, the harder it is for someone to find a place here, the harder it is for them to make a move. And that has implications on, you know, the labor market. In Dillingham, for example, I was talking to somebody a couple weeks ago where they've, they've got, they've had, always had a hard time finding teachers. And they have a bunch of teachers now, but they have nowhere to live. So they're all kind of like, stacked up in a gymnasium and that's not sustainable you know that's going to drag on someone's morale after a long time if they're in a living condition that is just not you know up to their expectations so um yeah it's it's it can be tough in places that's for sure yeah i mean luckily man yeah luckily that's uh oh i don't know some of these smaller places that's not anchorage or the natsu valley that might be more common than I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in Juneau, we've had kind of, it's historically been a very low vacancy rate. Um, and it's just, you know, I haven't been a, been a renter since 2004. But even, you know, we have new people coming into our office. We have people that I know who just moved here. And it's tough, you know. It takes a long time to find something that's suitable. And even if you find something, it, it may not be up to your expectations. It's either, you know, it, it, compared to what, they were getting down south or what their peers are getting in other parts of the country. It's just, um, yeah, it's just, I'd... yeah. I mean, Juno is like its own special animal because it's, it's <laughs> kind of a smaller town, but it's the capital. And then you have like, everybody is moving in. There's usually very, very transitory just cause that's the nature of the you know, yep. nature of politics. So there's just a ton of turnover there all the time. Like yep. I would love to see the, the turnover, rates broken down by town <laughs> yeah for sure yep all right well rob i really do appreciate your time and you kind of sharing your expertise and your your perspective and what you're seeing here oh, um, yeah. i guess the the final question just leading out here um what are kind of the big things that you're looking at that you think are mm -hmm. going to be you know factors for the alaska economy moving forward obviously these are theories and, you know, not, yeah. you know, not gospel truth or anything. Whether you are a realtor, a property manager, a developer, investor, I think as we go forward, you know, and you can get a good sense of what, what things are doing by looking at prices, by looking at inventory, but longer term, the data and population data and the characteristics of the population, how it's changing, both short-term and long-term, I think, are going to be the most critical pieces of data to watch to get a sense of where things are headed in the future for not just the housing market, but for the economy in general, I think. Gotcha. So you kind of cut out there for a second, but the biggest things mm -hmm. are going to be watching the the population and uh, kind of the inventory yeah, for housing. Perfect. Yeah. 
Yep. All right. Well, Rob, I do really appreciate it, sir. And you know, we'll um, you know make sure to let you know as soon as this does come out, and be looking forward to um, seeing if I can talk with those folks about the Airbnbs. But again, thank you for your time, and we'll catch you next time. Yeah. Thank you, Jim. This was fun. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Bye bye.